0: And welcome to this special edition of Mouth of the Time, your Shields Gazette Newcastle United podcast. I'm Mark Donnelly and I'm joined by our Newcastle United writer, Liam Kennedy, to reflect on today's 3 0 win over Sheffield United. So, Liam, football's back and Newcastle United are back with a bang.
1: Certainly are, though. It, it, was, it was an incredible day, really. Obviously, there was a lot of new, new things with the, no fans being at the ground. And, um, Everyone's having to get used to this uh, post-Coronavirus. Well, we're not even out of it yet, but sort of edging our way out towards a normal world again. And, and football's back with a bang. It's been it's been quite an underwhelming um, start of the Premier League season. Um, there's been a lot of uh, goalless draws. As mentioned, at, at this one was goalless at half time as well. But Newcastle just left have, t- have taken off where they left off previous um, in early March. They beat Southampton away from home, which was. A win that took them three points close out of securing their Premier League safety. And I think we can probably, after that performance today, put to bed any fears that Newcastle will be drawn into that um, relegation fight at the end of the season. Um, Sheffield United, I I put a scout report in for them earlier uh, this weekend, um, having watched the game the full 90 minutes against Aston Villa. And Aston Villa, despite that dodgy goal that should have been given, Aston Villa played them off the park. Um, created more chances, looked more likely to score, and caused them problems from set pieces. Just don't know what's happened. This isn't the Sheffield United who sort of lit up the league really um, to this point. Um, but back on Newcastle United, I, I think one key area, Keenan Davis, caused them a lot of problems on Wednesday. I thought Newcastle could get some joy, and they did. Was with a bit of pace and power um, in the final third. Alan St. Maximin drifted in and out early on, but then when he really he really had to turned on turned on the heat in the second half. And um, Matt Ritchie was tremendous again. There's been a lot of people have written him off. Um, We'd seen him convert under Benitez, into like a left wing back, um, and I think a lot of people wondered whether he could slot back in in that more attacking role. And um, not having a lot of pace, whether he would fit into this team. But he laid on two goals today, although some of them were fortuitous, um, and score one himself, which again. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper at Dean Henderson. He probably, for me, he's been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, but that was a shocker from him, really. Um, he just hasn't picked it. Um, and although it's, it, it would have been difficult to save anyway because it's literally licked the post on the way in, um, curling away from him, I think I think he'd be very disappointed looking back on that one. Um, good mention for Joe Linton as well. I think um, we have seen both sides to his game today. I think everyone was hoping that he would step out with no crowds being there and maybe just show a little bit more confidence Um, and I think even though he missed that chance which is what we've seen a lot of this season um, I thought his overall play was actually quite good I think he uh, he won his fair share headers. He dropped in. He linked the play. He never stopped chasing. And I think that's all you can ask of a lad, um, especially after a miss like that. And it was good to see him get on the end of that. Um, and it'll feel it'll, it'll feel like a weight off his shoulders, really, getting that first goal to St James's Park. Now he just needs to capitalise on that, really, and start doing that on a regular basis.
0: I'll just pick up on your last point on Joe Linton there, because everyone naturally at half-time, was talking about that miss, but then the second half. Joe Linton really has been involved in kind of two of the key moments in the game. The, the little turn and then the, the tug from John Egan, which saw Sheffield United go down to 10 men. And then that third goal, you know, it was a very simple finish, but he was getting where your number nine needs to be in those areas to finish those chances off. And I think there's plenty of positive for him to take, isn't there? Because for all the first half was one you'll want to forget. The second half was a lot more like maybe what Newcastle fans were hoping uh, their kind of big money striker would deliver.
1: I think the goal is case in point there. That's all you expect of a striker, and we haven't seen enough of that from Joe Linton. He got the ball, laid it off out wide, and his first thought, which hasn't happened very often this season, his first thought was get in the six-yard box and give give them a cross, give them a difficult uh, difficult decision to make the defenders. And he did that. He got right in there, and that's all you can ask really of a number nine. It's what you want to see. Um, again, you're right. He deserves some credit to be honest, because. I, I labelled it in our uh, matchday blog as handbags, but that first uh, that first uh, booking for John Egan um, was key, really, because I don't think he should have been booked. I think it was a bit harsh. But Joe Linton, which, again, was a sign of, of maybe his frustration, drew the defender into that, got involved a little bit, and they both got booked for it. And then, obviously, Egan's made a mistake for the second one, and it was a clear second bookable. Um, and hes he, it's changed the game uh, the red card I say that, the red card changed the game but I kind of feel like Newcastle probably would have won anyway it did feel like that, they were the better side uh, Henderson was making more saves than Dubravka and to be honest I don't think Dubravka really had much to do in the whole game a couple of crosses that he maybe could have come for in the first half um, but he, he got out a punch one quite confidently early on um, but really in terms of saves he was never peppered, and, and that's That's another unusual thing because he's the goalkeeper who's made the most saves in the Premier League, genuinely because Newcastle haven't been great at defending, despite not conceding a shipload of goals. But yeah, there is a lot of positives, and I think Joe Linton will take some confidence from that. He hadn't scored since Tottenham away earlier this season. It's a long, long time for the lad. Um, And I think he has been, it's been baby steps, he has been slowly improving. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about off the field, how he's found it difficult to settle in a lot of ways, not having close friends and family with him and being isolated, particularly in the coronavirus uh, lockdown, isolated from everybody. And I think it's been difficult. He he didn't speak the language when he came. So there is something there. I'm not going to say he will take advantage of this because I I think there's a lot of faults with his game as well. Um, I, I don't genuinely think he's a number nine. I don't think he... Has that instinct, but but maybe he can he can improve a little part of his game, and and it is the case you don't have to have a centre forward who scores goals constantly. You can have a good number nine who pulls the ball up well, links the play, gets involved a lot, cord pulls defenders around for other people to score goals. And I think if you can learn a little bit more of that, and it's key having it's good having somebody like Andy Carroll in the background who who's in his ear constantly and helping him out with this this kind of thing, and um, because he he can play the number nine role. Unfortunately, for Andy Carroll. He's come back to the club, and he's just he's just over the hill now. Unfortunately, he's not quite the same. But again, on him, he came on today. I think I think it'd be a really positive move, and this might be controversial, but a really positive move to keep him on board. I think next season, um, because although he doesn't play a lot of games, I think he's a key character off the field and can also be a pretty good plan B if you need one, as he showed against Sheffield United earlier this season.
0: There's been a lot of talk over the kind of three months when we've not had football obviously about what the future looks like at Newcastle United with the takeover rumbling on. And there's been a lot said about Steve Bruce and his future at the club. I know he's had his say on that this week. But do you think he deserves a bit of credit for Dave for how he set the side up? Uh, How they were obviously prepared, because they looked a lot sharper, a lot fitter than Sheffield United. Although, you know, that may be to do with the fact Sheffield United did have a game earlier in the week. And then that little change he made in the second half where Richie and and St Maximan swapped flanks and really both seemed to get a bit of joy out of that.
1: Yeah, I think I think Bruce has made some quite canny um technical changes during games and, and uh, system switches this season. And I think he does deserve some credit for that. Um I do think it's always gonna be tempted with the idea that Newcastle haven't been great this season. Um I think they've, they've struggled at times, really struggled. Um and I think the key points of the season have lacked ideas and, and lost games and they've taken some hammerings as well, they've taken a couple which is something that didn't happen under the previous manager. But ultimately, the, the Bruce's uh, Newcastle compared to Benitez's Newcastle, there isn't a huge amount of difference um, in some senses, but in others there is. Because for all Bruce, like I said, has, has made some quite of technical switches in games and out of games. Um, you kind of felt like there was a real identity under Benitez. And I think this team, in a lot of ways, lacks a football and identity. Um, but I still want to present, um, give him credit for the season that he's had because if you'd said at the start of the season when Steve Bruce was appointed, underwhelmingly appointed, if you'd said you'd be in this position 11 points clear of the uh, relegation zone, having taken a few hammer-ins, having struggled and your centre-forward, haven't scored goals all season, then I think you would snap your hand off, really. So I think I think it'll be a difficult decision, actually. I think when this takeover... Goes through, which I believe it will. Um, what you do with Bruce? Because if Newcastle go and wins another five games in the last nine, maybe get to an FA Cup final. It's going to be a difficult decision to say to him, "Okay, thank you, but see you later." So I think I think if it, that's all Bruce and the players can do. If if he's as popular as he seems to be in the dressing room, then the players can can potentially look to keep him in a job by fighting and getting themselves to an FA Cup final and maybe even a top 10 finish in the Premier League because they're only two points off it now.
0: And yeah, you mentioned the FA Cup. There's a big week coming up now. Aston Villa on, on Wednesday night, which they've lost to Chelsea today. And, and you'd look at that as a, a winnable game. And then obviously Manchester City in the, the FA Cup quarter final next week. It's a big week for the club and they couldn't really go into it in better shape after a real morale boosting win, not just for the players, but the fans as well today.
1: Yeah, if they follow that up on uh, in midweek with getting a result at Aston Villa and obviously don't pick up any key, key injuries to key players, then there's nothing to lose against Man City. I mean, I've got I've got my opinions on that game. I think Newcastle United lose something not having a crowd behind them. I think that was when it when it came out, We're getting the best side left in the competition, and um, the one hope that you almost had was just that they. The home crowd might be a limited occasion because I've been there many a time where Newcastle United's crowd can really help beat beat opposition, top class opposition as well. Um, even in recent years, they've done that. Um, they've done that this season as well. But not having that there, you kind of feel like it might have a training ground feel, and you would back uh, Man City with a superior players and technique and quality um, to beat Newcastle United on on any given day on a training ground. So. Um, it might be a difficult one, but it's a free shot. It's a free shot. at something we've never been this deep into a competition for a long, long time now. Um, so it's quite a positive thing to be looking forward to. And it's good if they can get a result against Villa, Even if it's just another draw, that'll just probably open up that gap a little bit more. And then you can go into that without any fears of, of losing your Premier League safety as well, which some clubs who are involved in the competition still have.
0: Thank you very much, Liam, and we'll be back later in the week. But in the meantime, for all the build up to the Aston Villa and Manchester City games, just head to shieldsgazette.com. And thank you once again for listening to the Mouth of the Time podcast.